whoa, fancy seeing you here. That's right, it's Maddie. I hope you enjoyed that time of worship, that you just are surprised and in awe and wonder of who God is and what he has done for us and being reminded of that as well. No real new notices. Um, it just if you have any questions and you want to get in touch with the church, bam, email address right there. And if you have any testimonies of what God's been doing in your life, we would love to hear from you. So that's right, another email address, bam, right there. I love my email addresses. Now we're moving on to a short video from Saddleback, uh, continuing on the Joshua series, and we're going to hear uh, from Ian after that. And I'd just love to pray for us before we listen to that. Thank you for your word, Dad. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that your word is alive and active. And may it speak to us. Open up our hearts and our minds and our ears to hear you through your word, to hear you through the video and actually through Ian's preparation as well. Speak to us and challenge us today. Amen. Enjoy. Stories of the Bible. The Israelites crossed the Jordan. This is Joshua. Joshua was the leader of the Israelites, who God would use to take his people into the promised land. Yeah, let's do it! Joshua readied his people to cross the Jordan River, which was the only thing dividing the Israelites from the land that God had promised to them. All right! We're here! Okay! They camped beside the river for three days, waiting, just as the Lord had commanded them. At this time of year, the Jordan River was flooded and flowing with so much water that it was impossible to cross on foot. And then the Lord said, let there be water. Hey, priest. Yeah. Come on. God told Joshua to tell the people that the priests would carry the Ark of the Covenant and lead the people through the water. He told the priests to step into the rushing waters. Wait, huh? And when they would do this, the waters would stop flowing. Uh, all right. And as soon as the priests did this, the water of the Jordan River did stop flowing. Yay. And the priests stood with the Ark of the Covenant on dry ground as the Israelites crossed to the other side. All right. God told Joshua to send 12 men from the 12 tribes of Israel to take 12 stones from the place that the priests were standing. When all this had been finished as God commanded, Joshua called the priests from the Jordan. We're good, come on. As their feet left the Jordan River, the waters came back into place, just as they had been. Wow! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They brought their stones to their camp and set them as a memorial, so future generations might remember the story of how God brought his people through the Jordan River on dry ground. Hi everyone, welcome to the next part of our summer series. If you don't know me, my name is Ian, I'm an elder at Hope Church Seven Oaks, married to Gemma, we've got three amazing kids. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed the summer series so far. I I'm loving the cartoon right at the beginning of this video explaining Joshua the hey all cartoons think they're really helpful uh, kids I hope you're uh, enjoying them today we're looking at Joshua 4 
And it's another significant moment in the history of the Israelites and Joshua. With they're coming out of the river Jordan that God miraculously opened up and just as he did with the Red Sea, the people passed through on dry land and they're now on the edge of the promised land. And you might think it would be now full steam ahead into the promised land. However, God slows them down and he asks something of them. He's looking for obedience. He looks at this moment as special. It needs to be remembered to be passed on to future generations. They need to remember. I wonder, how do you remember things? I wonder, how do you remember? So how do I remember things? Well, I am a list girl. Lists, lists, lists. I just have to write everything down. Uh, I remember things by usually writing in a paper diary. Um, uh, and if there are recurring things, like once a week, like speaking to my children or something like that, I would then uh, set an alarm on my phone. Um, Can't go to bed at night without writing it down and thinking, what have I got to do tomorrow? I need to remember that, 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 that. Sometimes it's through photos. I'll look at the photos and I remember the day. Other times it's perhaps through a strong scent, like boxwood. I remember my grandmother's house every time I smell it. Other times I can't remember things, like, um, oh, where have I put my glasses? Oh, here they are. And, uh... So how do I remember things? Well, mostly I have to write stuff down. Uh, or if I want to remember something in my Bible, I highlight it and remember where it is on the page. But with people's names... Uh, I have to think of associations, so I've got a neighbour here and I really wanted to remember his name uh, and then I found his name was Scott, but he's a great big guy. So every time I look at him I think, great Scott, and I've got it, that's how I do it. Things like birthdays, um, I do ev all the cards for the month in one go. Um... Hmm, how do I remember things? Um... And I'm a paper diary girl as well. I can't be doing with all this stuff on the phone. I really have to have everything written down, otherwise I'm just gonna forget. So that's generally how I remember things. Um, I write it down and I pray about it. Hello, so what I would do to help me remember things would be to put it in a checklist and all the things I need to remember, I'll put a little box next to it and tick it once I've done all of them. Um, I'll put that checklist in a place where I can see it a lot. For example, my bedroom, I've got this cork board that I can pin things on and it is the first thing I see when I wake up and the first thing I see when I walk into my bedroom. Generally, to remember things, I look back at photos or I will have to write it down. I have to make a quick note in my calendar and if it's something like a shopping list, I'll text it to either myself or Ian if he's going to the shops to help us remember because we're not very good at it. I'll also put each of the categories on my checklist in different colours so they kind of stand out against each other. So my uni stuff will all be in one colour and all of my hobbies will be in another. So yes, that's what I'll do to help me remember things. I would usually write myself some little notes, but then more often or not, I would forget where I put the notes in the first place. 
Hi. Hello. Oh, so yes, how do I remember things? Um, I'm not particularly a nice person, but I try. So depending on what I'm trying to achieve, I could make a list and take them off as I go along or put something on my calendar, use my phone as reminders, such reminders on my phone. That's it generally. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Bye. <laughs> Interesting. I, I, I don't know about you, but I easily forget things. And God clearly knows how the minds of his people work. As we see at the beginning of Joshua 4, he instructs Joshua to choose 12 men. From Joshua 4, verse 2, he says, Choose 12 men among the people, from one from each tribe, and tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, right from where the priests are standing and carry them over and put them uh, down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua chooses 12 men from each tribe. And then in verse five, it says, he said to them, go over before the ark of the Lord, your God, in the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes, the Israelites, to serve as a sign among you. Um, in the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. And when it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. And these stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. So these stones were a sign. There, it says a sign among you. In, in the Old Testament, a sign was a, a visible object or an action or an event that conveyed information or to authenticate something. For example, the rainbow after a rainstorm recalled God's covenant with his people to never flood the whole earth. The Sabbath reminded Israel of its covenant obligations to Yahweh. And the plagues in Egypt was, was to serve to inform Pharaoh that I am the Lord in this land. Isaiah offers King Ahaz a sign to authenticate Yahweh's announced destruction of the king's enemies in order to help the king's wavering faith in Isaiah 7. And here the stones serve as a sign or a memorial to authenticate what God had done. This event actually happened and it reminded Israel of its significance for later generations. The Jews were great believers in teaching the next generation about Jehovah and his special relationship to the people of Israel. That these stones were a constant reminder to the Israelite that God was working wonders on their behalf. These stones were a kind of mute testimony so that the children in the, in the future would ask, what do these stones mean? These stones will tell of the amazing power of God that when the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant, where God's pr presence dwelt, it was in the midst of the Jordan and the waters were held upstream. So that as it was held upstream, thousands of people, a whole nation could pass through it. Amazing. These stones re representing each tribe passing through were to remind the Israelites about what God did. But what about you and I? How do we remember what God has done? Well, 
There are the obvious answers, like we remember and celebrate Christmas and Easter. We, we celebrate Christ Emmanuel, the God with us, God becoming flesh and dwelling among us and being born as a helpless baby, being fully man and fully God. We, we remember Easter, where that same Emmanuel, that God-man, took the punishment for the sin of all mankind and died on the cross, taking the punishment that we deserve, the man who knew no sin becoming sin for us so that we could be in a right relationship with God. And then wonderfully rising three days later, defeating sin and death in glorious victory. They are, by the way, excellent, excellent times to teach younger generations about what God has done. That's why we put so much effort into Easter and Christmas events and services is because we want to tell as many people as we can of what he has done. We, we can tell our kids, we remind them of the miracles of what happened on those glorious days. So if you have children, parents don't ever despise of retelling those stories to your kids, telling them the same stories every year. It's not the job of the kids workers at church to um, educate your kids about gospel truths. We can give so much time over to their education, making sure they've studied well for exams, making sure they've um, had tutors for 11 plus, etc. But what about the truths of God? We've got to teach them about the truths of God. So important. What's your main topic of conversation? Their education or the truths of God? We remember those events, but what about other stones of remembrance, other spiritual milestones in your journey. It's important to reflect on what God has done in your life and remember what has been unique to you. So what has God done in your life? Let's go over to some others and ask them, what has God done in your life? Uh, so God has just been amazing uh, during this whole time of lockdown uh, and actually we have managed to find our own house which is so exciting um, but actually this can be a really stressful process uh, but I have uh, just been such at peace um, and excited throughout this process um, so yeah God is good uh, and he is amazing and has blessed me so much. What has God done for me? Well in 1991 I was still a baby Christian bit of a mess and muddle, pretty hopeless really. And God spoke to me very powerfully and directly from Joel. He said, I will restore to you the years the locust has eaten. And he did. I've got a lovely wife, a wonderful family, a terrific job and a nice home. All things that were way out of reach for me at the time. He's been so good to me. Hi everyone, I just want to share something with you quickly. Uh, my sister who lives in South Africa, she's 37 years old, she's got two little girls and she's seven months pregnant and a few weeks ago she was diagnosed with COVID-19. We were all really concerned for her, she needed oxygen treatment and she was quite ill but um, I just want to tell you that she's much better, she's making a full recovery and I just want to thank God for his goodness, for his faithfulness um, and just encourage you to hold on to him and um, yeah, just trust in him daily. Thank you. In 2009, the doctors told Laura that she would never be able to have children um, and then Jesus gave me a dream one evening where I, I saw that she was going to get pregnant uh, and a month later she was. I have a friend who has recently given her life to Jesus 
and it's been quite difficult to disciple her as she lives quite a long way away. But whenever I've asked God to help me, he's sent some really good stuff that has really helped her. He sent his son to die for us and gave us a holiday. What has God done? We still have a home. Um, Mommy and Daddy have jobs and we have good health, life and we're happy. Good. Yes, I everybody thought that as well. Thank you. So what God's been doing in my life recently um, over the last few months is identity, complete and utter identity reformation, restructure, um, movement from head knowledge to heart knowledge so that I don't just know the verses, I don't just know it, but I really live as if I am loved and accepted and justified by God. So, yeah. Since lockdown, I've been able to put my trust in God in many situations. Prior to lockdown, I would want to be in control and know what was going to happen. During this time, God has answered many prayers for myself, Richard and Olivia. An example of this has been the peace I've had in a challenging time at work where there has been many changes and I know at this time I can give it to God. Um, God is doing so much every day for me. Uh, the one thing that I'd like to, to mention is that for the last eight years I've been suffering from a chronic health problem uh, that has made it uh, difficult for me to work so I, I can almost not work but he has looked after me financially um, and has kept me going. Grateful to God for my family, my wife, my kids, my extended family. I'm grateful to God for life. Um, that I'm alive is a great thing. I'm grateful to God for my church family that I'm planted in a Bible-believing, supporting church where I get to grow, my kids get to grow, family gets to grow. I'm grateful to God for my job that is part of the pandemic and all that is going on all around us. I still get to keep a fantastic job uh, where the prospects are great. I'm grateful to God for life. Through this pandemic, it's kept me alive and well. I look back and I, and I remember all the times God has uh, provided for us. And only when you look back, you realize how perfect this timing always is. About um, the year 2000, when we were building the very building uh, that you used in Seven Oaks at this time, we needed money for the roof. And I got on my knees because the builders were saying, we can't build half a roof, we need all the money. So I got on my knees, I was praying to God, please hear my cry, we need money for the roof. And the phone rang, and it, actually it was a guy called Len, who was a solicitor in the church. And he said, I don't usually ring up to tell people these sort of things, but do you know the church has been left some money? And it was by an elderly lady who'd been with us for years, and actually we supported her financially. But in a, in a, a will, there was some money from her husband who died previously, and uh, it was an answer to prayer. That's what I remember. We had a little boy in our church who had epilepsy and he had fits really badly and they couldn't get it under control with medication and one morning at church he started to fit and so the congregation gathered round and we prayed for him and he went completely still and peaceful and when he got up from the floor he was totally healed and hasn't had a fit since. Wow, it's amazing to hear what God has done in people's lives, how he's broken into lives time and time again. I remember in my own life as well, significant moments when things changed in my life, although I didn't fully realise it at the time. I, I remember when I first walked into church and met 
Anne Newing. I've never been into a church before and then Anne was the first person to talk to me in church. I, I remember going for a, a beer and a chat with Norman Blows, the man who planted Hope Church Seven Oaks and uh, led it for many years. He and I would go for a talk and we'd talk about Jesus and I'd starting to realise who Jesus was and what he'd done. I remember praying and asking for forgiveness and asking Jesus into my life by, by my bedside. I remember getting married and saying to God afterwards, I was going to fully commit myself to him afterwards. I was all in. And then a year later being baptised uh, in water and then in the Holy Spirit. I remember praying for people to be healed and seeing and realising that God still heals today. I remember praying for couples to conceive who were struggling and then seeing them become pregnant. Having God's provision time and time again with jobs, houses, money, holiday schools, it goes on and on and on. And I would encourage you to remember your own milestones. Forgetting is easy, but remembering is hard. And Joshua is trying to teach us something here. As we remember these things, it starts to shape the way we see ourselves and the way we see God and what it means to follow him. We should use these reminders in our lives and from scripture to draw the next generation closer to God, to strengthen their faith, not to wallow on the good old days, but to bring them in and show them what a mighty God we have. We need to help the church live in the promises of God. Interestingly, in Numbers 23, there were 110,000 fighting men. And then it says in verse 13 in Joshua 4, about 40,000 armed for battle crossed over before the Lord to the plains of Jericho for war. Two thirds failed to enter into the promised land. They didn't trust in his promises or believe that he would come through. But what can help us and the younger generation is linking our own memorial stones with a bigger story. They and us are linked to in part of something bigger, God's eternal plan. Hebrews 6.12 says about not becoming lazy, but to imitate those through faith and patience and inherit what has been promised. Remember the promises of God. Remember that you've been redeemed. Remember you've been set free. Isaiah 43 verse 1 says, Do not fear, I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The Lord will keep you from harm. He will watch over your life. He will watch over your coming in and your going out both now and forevermore. Psalm 121. We have an inheritance in Jesus Christ. We are identified with Christ in his death, burial and resurrection. And that is overcoming power and it cannot be defeated by the world, the flesh or the devil. In Jesus Christ, we are overcomers. And the Israelites have crossed over the Jordan. They are now on dry land. They're about to go into the promised land. But they need not to charge in, but to keep their eyes fixed on the one who holds all eternity in his hands. It says right at the end of Joshua 4 that they, the hand, that they did all of this so they would know that the hand of the Lord is powerful so that you may always fear the Lord your God. Fear. It's a kind of the fear it talks about 
um, fear of God is a kind of reverence and awe of God. What do you do if you have fear? You know, the Bible actually doesn't tell us to be fearless, but it, it tells us to direct our fear appropriately in the right direction. <clears throat> fear God, the Almighty. You know, recently in um, Luke, we talked about anxiety. And we can talk about God. We can say we trust in God, but then we just carry on worrying about things, about the virus, about the economy, about our own situation. Have you walked past people recently where they go massively out of their way to avoid you, so scared to catch anything? I mean, sure, we need to be sensible right now. But the thing we need to be doing is not locking ourselves away or being in fear right now. We need to be fleeing from sin. That's what we need to be doing. Having nothing to do with the things of this world. We want to follow him into his promises. Do not be afraid right now. Do not be afraid. We were made for such a time as this. We don't need everything to look the same again. We are ready to follow him, if you are a follower of Christ, to follow him into difficulties knowing that he's with us. Are you ready to follow him wherever he leads you? Wherever he leads us as a church, as a body of people? He doesn't want us in comfortable familiarity. Now is the time to step out, to be a sent people. We are not a social club, but we want to reach the lost and the broken and they are coming. Are you ready to step out? Are you ready to claim Jericho? Let's wait on him patiently and obey like the people who just crossed the Jordan. He's wanting to raise us up, to be resilient, to be truly on mission. And we remember what he did and that drives us forward to tell this struggling world, this um, hurting world, that there's an answer to all the questions and the answer is Jesus Christ, of course. We remember that he died on the cross, taking all our sin and shame that separated us from God, and he took it all upon himself. And you know what? We're going to remember that today. If you're watching this on Sunday, live in the morning, we're going to remember that in communion in our Zoom call at 11.15 on Sunday. We're going to remember the body that was broken for us and the blood that was poured out to cover our sin. Are you ready? Are you ready to claim your spiritual inheritance in Christ? Are you ready to believe the word of faith? Get your feet wet. Walk in faith and God will open a way. Surrender yourself to the Lord. Die to your old life and he will bring you in to the promised land. Do not fear. Remember what he has done. Remember how he has been faithful to you and let that drive you forward into his promises for us as a people. He doesn't promise a soft and lovely, comfortable life, but he promises never to leave us or forsake us. He promises that he's coming back for a beautiful bride, his church. And one day every tear will be wiped from every eye and he will make all things new. Can I pray? We're gonna end now, we're gonna pray. If you don't know Jesus, I'm just gonna pray for you right now that you will come to know him. Father, I wanna thank you that you have given us all things. Thank you that you are faithful. Thank you that you are merciful. Thank you, Jesus, that you died for us on the cross. 
I want to pray for anyone watching this that if they don't know you, that will you come and speak to them and reveal yourself to them right now and help them ask you into their lives right now. Why don't you do that right now if you're watching and you don't know Jesus. Ask him into your life. Just say, Jesus, I'm sorry for following my own way, for turning my back on you. Thank you for dying on the cross. Now come and fill me with your Holy Spirit and help me follow you. And if you are wanting to step into those promises as a Christian, as a church, just help him remind you of all those things that he's done for you. Let that faithfulness of God just rise up in you and help that drive you on to all that he's calling us to, to reach the lost and the broken. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hope you are doing well, enjoying the summer. Uh, it's been good weather. It's been hot in here today. I've been sweating. Uh, it's been really good to speak to you today and I will hope to see you soon. I know, you're sick and tired of seeing me. It's the third time, but you know, it's just getting weird now. That's it. That is the end of the service this morning. I really hope you enjoyed it. I really hope you met with God and God spoke to you um, through this. We have an afternoon chat um, at 11.15. The link is down below. Um, so you're more than welcome. We'd love to just get to know you more if you're new to the church. And that's it. Have an amazing week and we will see you next Sunday. Bye-bye.